planet Earth, off planet Earth, or on the surface of planet Earth, welcome to the Paul McGuire Report. We're going to continue to, ex to examine, to take a deep dive on Bible prophecy as it relates to the recent invasion of Hamas uh, against the nation of Israel. Now, th th that involves a storm of controversy as to who was behind it, who financed it. Was it a nation like Iran that, that financed this, that executed it? I will say this, and that is there are obviously strange occurrences regarding this invasion, because, look, Hamas is not this outrageously organized, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have, like, endless dollars and endless manpower and endless military advisors. It's, it's just not that sophisticated. So for Hamas to pull off uh, a premier invasion of the nation of Israel using all kinds of military strategies, including allegations that a directed energy beam weapon, I do, was used against Israel, uh, apparently by Hamas. Where would Hamas get? I mean, there's only a handful of nations that have directed energy beam weapons. So how did Hamas get their hands on directed energy beam weapons? Now, that's not all that far-fetched a question, especially in light of the fact that uh, the Iranians are moving full speed ahead in the development of their own nuclear program and nuclear weapons program, apparently being helped under the table by, by Iran. And uh, there's an alliance of Middle Eastern nations that is written about in the Bible uh, called the War, this is the, the War of Gog and Magog. And it is a it is taken from numerous places in the Bible. Some people believe it it continues on in the Book of Revelation, uh, the Book of Revelation, like Grant Jeffrey, uh, uh, the late Bible scholar who went on to be with the Lord. And I I had a number of discussions with Grant Jeffrey um, because when he first essentially started out, and my ministry had been going, I don't know for. 15 or 20 years by, by at that point. But I was going to say as fate would have it, but I don't believe in fate. But as God would have it, um, my publisher at the time, and this was a long time ago, my publisher at the time uh, just, he was publishing, he published my first book, which was a bestseller on the New Age. And then he wanted to, to publish another book. And uh, he introduces me to a brand new author that he just picked up, a publisher that I had at that time. And the brand new uh, author just happened to be uh, Grant Jeffrey. And he, this publisher, who had also published me, was publishing Grant Jeffrey's first book on Bible prophecy. Now, just a short digression about a lesson that I learned. And it wasn't the first time the Lord was kicking me in the posterior to teach me a lesson. He had done it before. One of the things the Lord began to show me very, very, well, he began to sow this seed in me even before I was saved, an understanding about people and human nature. But after I got saved, the Lord accelerated my learning program. And what the Lord taught me the hard way is the Lord, um, whenever I would view people or situations 
and make an arbitrary uh, decision about people or situations, like I would like size them up or whatever, and I would say I would I would like mentally to try to to guesstimate, you know, where they were going in their careers or whatever. Which is I don't believe what God has called us to do, by the way. But uh, in any case, I met, I meet Grant Jeffrey at the National Religious Broadcasting Convention. This is quite a few years ago. My publisher introduces me, and I'm very polite, as we all are. Uh, but uh, deep inside me, I, th- I think I kind of had dismissed him because, and this is not to say anything negative against Grant Jeffrey, but I, I think deep inside I had kind of like marginalized him. I was very polite externally, but I kind of marginalized him because I kind of, not totally, but I kind of wrote him off as, oh, here we go, just another. Uh, just another quote prophecy author, just what the world needs. Okay, so time goes by, and I guess it's a ten-year period of time. And uh, the Lord had blessed Grant Jeffrey in an amazing way as a writer and a speaker. And the guy that that I dismissed because of my own non-Christian prejudice, the guy that I dismissed dismissed turns out to be. Uh, one of the, the best-selling prophecy authors and speakers of all time, and whether you like his theological perspective or not, he he brought truths of Bible prophecy and the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to massive numbers of people. So I remembered that the next time I met him, and I wish I could tell you that I learned a lesson forever at that point, but the Lord had to deal with me on a number of other occasions by making these inner judgments, let's say, uh, regarding an individual or a ministry or whatever. And one of the things the Lord told me is he said to me, Paul, never, ever write anyone off. Never, ever write anyone off because everyone uh, is a child of God. And I can do anything I want through any one of my children. So it was a rebuke from the Lord that my judgmentalism, which is what it was, was, uh, was, you know, I was, in my finite, fallen mind, I was kind of making a pronouncement about somebody privately in my head. And I think many of us do it. I'm just admitting to it, that's all. And in this case, the guy that I wrote off turned out to be one of the most uh, effective and, and widely read prophecy authors uh, in the world, you know, like, like a decade or two later starting from nothing. And so that was one of many lessons that I had to go through with the, with the Lord, where the Lord has repeatedly told me when I meet somebody, no matter what they look like, no matter what somebody's experience in the past is, no matter what my natural mind may be drifting towards in terms of an appraisal, the Lord has warned me, don't write people off based on exterior observations. And I would say that that's a message that's very important, and I believe that Many of you listening probably have had a difficulty in that area yourself, where you write people off. First of all, it's not an act of love. So second of all, I can't say I have perfectly viewed uh, my mind in that area, but, I, but I'll tell you what, I've made massive improvements and, and, and massively endeavored to reject writing people off. All right, this is a slight story. So, Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy, as you know, the reason I got into Bible prophecy 
I was writing Bible prophecy books before, uh, well, from a slightly different perspective. And I remember that uh, uh, one of my first books of Bible prophecy was called Who Will Rule the Future? Resistance to the World of the Lord, in which emphatically I believe in Bible prophecy. But but the, the distinction in that book is, is, is the, the message of the book Who Will Rule the Future is, uh, hey, get off your posterior and do what God's calling you to do in the last days. Just don't sit there and passively allow evil to triumph. That's the message of the world future. And so uh, Bible prophecy is a window that, that allows people, you know, to, to, to examine and look at all the supernatural ways God has predicted the future before it happened. And Bible prophecy is, I believe, one of the most effective evangelistic tools that there is. And it, is, it has been used by God to bring millions and millions of people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, a number of things happened in my life, uh, one kind of after another. One, the Holy Spirit began speaking to me decades ago. And I remember my wife and I were living in a small apartment in another state. And the, 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 the view from the apartment uh, was kind of looking over a city. And I remember sitting out on the balcony looking at the car's commute during commute time. And it was like the Lord spoke to me through this massive scene of commuting. It was just, just, just about the busyness of mankind. And then I saw the sun set in a dazzling kind of orange ball that, that you know, sunset into the horizon. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Paul, look at what's going on. Look at the people coming to and fro. And then the Lord said to me, look at the setting of the sun. The sun sets because I've programmed it to set. And it sets every night. And, and the Lord kind of exhorted me to look at physically what was going on all around me. And then, now this is before I got really passionately interested in Bible prophecy. I was interested. But the Lord said to me, after he had said the other things, he simply said to me very quietly and, and very understated, the Lord said to me, um, Paul, Jesus Christ is returning. Jesus Christ is coming soon. And Jesus Christ is coming far sooner than you think and far sooner than the world thinks. Then it was like God said to me, Paul, I want you to know that you are living in the last days. Now, this was many decades ago. Okay, this was like this was this was this was months into the first. Uh, the, this was months after my wife and I got married. This was a long time ago, and yet, out of the middle of nowhere, the Lord is speaking to me to Bible prophecy. Now, I had an interest, but I can't say it was a passionate interest, but I had a strong interest. And then the Lord would speak to me supernaturally in the way that I just shared with you. So. Uh, I remember reading a magazine, it was uh, People Magazine, the one they published years ago, which was a lot better of a magazine. And there was a big article, a big feature article on uh, Hal Lindsey, the author of The Great Great Planet Earth. So whatever Hal Lindsey's faults were, uh, I read the article, and I came away from the article saying to myself, well, at least I can relate to this guy. 
because he seems like he's like normal, you know, it's not like some some you know, somebody living in, up in a mountain somewhere all by himself. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I could connect with him. I could relate to him. And because I could relate to him, see, because I couldn't run, I have a great deal of difficulty. Maybe you do too. I have a, I, you know, I believe very much in the importance of identity and leadership. And there are very few, to be blunt, very few Christian leaders that I can relate to. It's not that the leaders are bad. It's just they, they kind of flatline for me. Oh, they're, they're not interesting people. Okay. Now, maybe because it's, I'm weird or whatever. I'm not trying to put anybody down, but it just doesn't happen. Anyway, uh, after reading that People magazine article on Hal Lindsey, that the Lord used that when I read it in Manhattan because I was producing Christian music concerts and dealing with the media, and I was writing books and stuff, but they weren't getting published. But the Lord used that to inspire me to 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 be a writer, a Christian writer, and and to inspire me to write books on Bible prophecy. So so that's why my first books were on the New Age and and Bible prophecy and stuff like that. And then, as things would have it, I interviewed Hal Lindsey many times on my radio show, The Paul McGuire Show. Uh, I, I had him a guest on my radio show. Uh, I, I got to know him when he was appearing at places like the Religious Broadcasting Convention. In fact, he, we had, our radio station had a big uh, studio, a portable studio that they set up at the Religious Broadcasting Convention. And I remember that. Uh, Al Lindsay was my guest for one of those days for a couple of hours. And so we sat up in the platform, you know, that was a recreated radio station, broadcasting live uh, the interview I did with Al Lindsay on Bible Prophecy. The point is, again, who would have ever thought when I, when we think about this, because these are the kinds of things that if you follow the Lord, and it will be different according to your interests and abilities and personality and stuff, so it will be different. But if you're following the Lord, you can expect that God is going to do all kinds of amazing things in your life. So here I am, you know, in New York City producing contemporary Christian music concerts. Here I am. I, I, you know, I was a zillion miles away from being an author, although I always dreamt of being an author. I just didn't had a lot of unbelief, I think. So what happened was, uh, you know, as time played out, the, the guy who, who helped launch me into that area of writing now is a guest of mine on, on a regular basis on the Paul McGuire show. And, uh, you know, as the decades go by, it was the same thing with Al Lindsay, as the decades go by, God changes things. God opens doors. And I, I'm not going to reveal private conversations that I had with big publishers and stuff. Uh, basically offering to, quote, bestow upon me uh, a particular kind of title. Now, the point was, if you would talk to me decades earlier, I wouldn't have even remotely thought I, I would be even remotely, you know, considered for something of that nature. So in any case, when you give your life to God, many supernatural and unusual things can happen. Okay, so. Also, back in, in, in those time periods, okay, um, there was the Six-Day War in Israel. Little, little would I know that many decades later, I would become close friends with one of the nation of Israel's most 
historically famous generals, General Shimon Aram, who literally was a general in charge of key events when the Jews escaped Nazi Germany on ships, when, when the Jews defeated the Egyptians and Islamic nations supernaturally, and he told me the inside story. Uh, he was at many battles and historic events of military nature. And I mean, you know, how, how could I possibly ever envision getting the inside story about these things from an historically, fig, an historically famous figure who was there and told me all kinds of things that you'd never be able to read in the history book? So, what I'm trying to say is don't look at God. Okay, so. The whole point of, of this and the whole point, the, the foundational point that we have to pay attention to with the Hamas invasion of Israel is this. God, God, the only owner of planet Earth is the supreme being, the God of the Bible. He alone is the owner of planet Earth. Okay? Since God owns planet Earth, and he does, he's king of kings and lord of lords. And not only that, God contractually meaning the Bible, uh, in the Bible there are so many proofs and legal statements that, that outline proof for the ownership of Israel, planet Earth, by the biblical God. So the, the, the key thing here is that God is God and he owns everything. So what, what, whatever God decides to give to a nation or an individual, that's God's business, and if we were or are, are in the right relationship with God, we will humbly abide by whatever his decrees are because we acknowledge the fact that he's king of kings and lord of lords. So God in his sovereignty, that means God can do, see, Americans don't like the term sovereignty because sovereignty is a direct challenge to their false right to be spoiled brats and, do, and to be narcissistic and me-centered. So. God Almighty um, decides who gets what, and et cetera, et cetera. So, through the bloodline of the children of Israel, uh, and through the covenants that Almighty God made with the Jews and the nations of Israel, the nation of Israel, God gave to the nation of Israel many things in the form legally of an everlasting covenant or an everlasting contract, which simply means that the contract between God and the Jews is everlasting. It goes without end. So what that means is that God gave the Jews and the children of Israel, he gave them in a contract, in an everlasting co a contract, he gave them not only the, the entire nation of Israel, but Jerusalem as well. And the entire nation of Israel is not the relatively small geographic uh, amount of land that Hamas invaded about a week ago. No, the actual size of the biblical land of Israel is many times greater than what the world identifies as the nation of Israel today. The, the nation of Israel, in comparison, the ancient land of Canaan, which really was the nation of Israel, was massive, massive, massive in size. And so, too, the nation of Israel was unbelievably massive in size, far larger in size 
far, far larger in size than, than as it is depicted today. So at a certain point in history, history, God gave one of the patriarchs of the Bible, Abraham, he gave the physical descendants of Abraham, the physical land of Israel, as an everlasting covenant. In other words, legally, via God's title deed, he awarded the physical land of Israel, Jerusalem, and that means the entirety of the physical land of Israel, was given to the nation of Israel in the form of a covenant or contract, and that it would be an everlasting covenant or contract. So that means that that through the blood of the Lamb, that the ancient Jews were the recipients of a covenantal promise by God, where God promised to give the physical descendants of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, as an everlasting covenant. And so, so if you believe in the biblical God, yes or no, that determines 100% what your viewpoint will be legally, real estate, transaction-wise, or whatever. It, it, it will shape your perspective as to who really owns the nation of Israel and, and Jerusalem. And the Bible is very clear that the true owner of Israel and, and Jerusalem is, uh, are the physical descendants of Israel. Physical descendants of Israel, because they are the physical genetic DNA descendants of Abraham. And then Abraham's descendants, the physical descendants of Israel, they are given by the same uh, Abrahamic covenant or everlasting contract, they are given the physical land of Israel as a covenantal blessing that, that is without end. It can't terminate. It goes on forever. That's why it's called the everlasting covenant. Now, where Christians and others get into philosophical and theological problems that detonate right under their shoes is when they try to, through false teaching, when they try to, through uh, uh, misinterpreting the Bible, when they try to take back what God has given the children of Israel, when mankind tries to do all these evil, wicked things, they end up fighting against God, because God has declared that the, that the land of Israel has been given to the Jews as an everlasting covenant, and everlasting means everlasting, and that the physical descendants of Israel own the entire physical land of Israel, and they own Jerusalem by covenant. And that means that the Jews are not granted by God, the Jews are not granted by God uh, the physical land of Israel, the land of uh, the, the city of Jerusalem, etc., etc. They are not granted that land uh, by God because they're better, more virtuous, more spiritual, more loving, because they're obedient to the commandments of God, because they're more, more moral. It has nothing whatsoever to do with the works, the purity, the behavior, the obedience, the goodness, the righteousness, the law-abidingness of the nation of Israel. God this is, 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 a, is a crescendo imperative truth to understand. If you do not understand this truth, you know zero, nada, about what the Bible is really trying to say. So the bottom line is simply this. The physical land of Israel is given to the children of Israel purely by unmerited favor and by grace, not because they're special, not because they're good, not because they earned it in any way, shape, or form. 
They are simply given Israel as an everlasting covenant, as a free gift, not something they earn. But Christians, because they misinterpret the Scripture, and others because they misinterpret the Scripture, continually mouth off with statements that are erroneous and false. So, for example, you'll hear Christians saying things like, oh, the the Jews forfeited the right to the land of Israel because of their immorality, their idolatry, and their wickedness. Because of their sins, the Jews have lost the right to the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. But that is completely false, because they were never given the right to the land of Israel and Jerusalem, based on their behavior, based on their righteousness, based on their uh, obedience to the laws of God. No, no. In total contrast, the children of Israel were purely granted the nation of Israel and Jerusalem as an everlasting covenant. They, They get it forever. They're blessed with the nation of Israel purely on their basis of unearned favor or unmerited favor or grace or any other synonym you want to use. And that is imperative to understand. So, that totally obliterates this this erroneous argument that you hear from Christians all the time of different theological persuasions who say falsely that the Jews forfeited or lost the right to Israel because of their immoral, idolatrous ways. Wrong. Because they never got the land of Israel based on their righteousness or anything like it. And then the children of Israel um, are, are granted by God the entire land of Israel, the entire city of Jerusalem, as an everlasting covenant, which means it never ends. Now, we should not have any problem with that theological truth because it's, it's a total mirror to the covenant of salvation by grace whenever you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so every Christian who is saved is saved because they invited Jesus Christ to come into their life, forgive them of their sins through the blood of Jesus, to come into their life by faith and make them born again, to make them brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. And because a Christian trusts God and puts his faith in the blood of Jesus and and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and then is made born again by faith, then that Christian becomes born again by faith, and because of that, they get as a free gift eternal life, the new heaven, the, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, as a free gift, not as something they earn. So all these arguments that you hear about, oh, the evil Jews, and the Jews don't are, are not supposed to, the Jews lost their right to Israel, they lost their right to Jerusalem, because of their immorality, their paganism, etc., etc. The Jews do, like New Yorkers and California people and stuff, the, do, the Jews do have uh, an extremely high percentage of immorality and paganism and idol worship, etc., etc. There's no question about it. But theologically, that has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they can be the eternal recipients of uh getting the land of Israel by grace and unmerited favor. So it's given to them as a gift. Now, that's imperative, because no Christian should have any problem whatsoever figuring out why God Almighty, the biblical God, can justify giving the entire land of Israel to his children, the Jews, based on unmerited favor or grace. No Christian should have any problem with that at all, because our salvation is based entirely 
upon faith in Christ, praying to God to be born again, praying that the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us of all sin. In other words, every Christian should know that our salvation is based totally upon uh, God's free gift. And we didn't earn our salvation. It's entirely a free gift. And we are joint heirs with Jesus. We receive eternal life as a free gift. And we have to master this because if we don't understand this, it is impossible to understand that God is love. It's impossible to understand the motivations of God in anything. So we are saved by grace. The Jews get the land of Israel by a form of grace or unmerited favor. And the Bible is a, is a key book because it explains what God is doing in the earth from the very beginning to the very end. So, for example, God uh, created paradise, planet earth, and had Adam and Eve inhabited. It was paradise. It was what God had in mind for man since the very beginning. And then, as time goes on, on God's children, the Jews, are doing one of two things. They're either obeying God, worshiping God, following God, or they're disobeying God, rejecting God, and breaking God's laws. But that's how simple it is. To the degree that the Jews or any other people, like the pilgrims of Puritans, obey the Word of God, worship the true God, follow God, honor God, put God first, to the degree that they do that, they are supernaturally rewarded, blessed, prospered, uh, protected, saved, healed, and, and many, many other things. They're blessed when they come in and blessed when they go out because they're attempting to worship and obey the true God. And this goes on century after century after century. It's, it's in Deuteronomy 28, the chapter called The Blessings and Curses, which simply says that if God's people will worship the true God only, if God's people will diligently hearken to obey the voice of the Lord thy God, then the Lord will raise them up above all the nations of the earth and supernaturally bless them. Conversely, if the, the children of God decide to reject the Word of God, if they decide to reject worshiping the true God, if they decide to disobey all the commandments of God in Deuteronomy 28, then the Word of God says they will be cursed. Sickness and disease will come upon them. They will be cursed if they worship idols or if they worship um, false gods. If they disobey the commandments of God, they will be cursed. And so this is how simple it is. Adam and Eve lost paradise, lost eternal life, because they rejected the Word of God, allowed themselves to be cursed, and then they disobeyed item by item the commandments of God, or they obeyed item by item the commandments of God, based on obeying or disobeying, based on rejecting and worshiping God or fighting against God, based on the yes and no quality of, of all of these uh, spiritual commandments. Based on that, God's people, you and I, will either be supernaturally prospered or supernaturally cursed. So Israel, despite its imperfections, the hand of God is still upon Israel. And let me add, because this all ties in together, let me add that uh, despite the fact that the nation of Israel is wayward and backslidden and, and idolatrous, 
in the same way, America and Israel, maybe Israel's worse, I don't know, but America and Israel, both are the recipients of rich biblical teaching. Both formally worship the true God, but both Israel and uh, America are apostate, are rebellious, are immoral, are worshiping false gods, who are delighting and breaking the commandments of God, and they're sowing to the wind, and they're reaping the whirlwind, and all kinds of calamity and curses are coming upon God's people. Because a violation of the basic template of obedience and faith, or disobedience, and uh, doubting the Word of God instead of having faith in God's Word. All right, you're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Paul McGuire Report. So if we went back in time, we got into a time machine, and we witnessed the supernatural covenant, the supernatural land covenant between uh, the physical descendants of Abraham and the current possession of the full nation of Israel by the Jews is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And it's miraculous in nature. The reason the Jews possess the land of Israel today is is not because they're good, not because they're more virtuous, not because they even keep the laws of God. They break the laws of God just like we do in the United States of America. But the, but when God entered into an everlasting covenant with Abraham regarding his physical descendants, Abraham knew the deal had nothing to do with the goodness of his physical descendants. They were getting it in the form of a covenant, and that meant it was to be an everlasting covenant. It wasn't to be an everlasting covenant contingent or based on their goodness, their righteousness, their morality, or their behavior. In the same way people say, well, oh, God's finished with America. He can't work with America. Look, you got to deal with both of these truths simultaneously, and you have to rightly divide the Word of God. The way it works is simply this. God entered into an everlasting covenant with the nation of Israel based entirely on unmerited favor. In the same way, God blessed the nation of America, God blessed the pilgrims and Puritans. For, for a long period of time, we have been the, one of the world's greatest recipients of the blessings of God, and it wasn't because we were good. It was because of God's unmerited favor and God's grace unmerited favor not because we deserved it. And that is the, the key to America's success. Now, this ancient supernatural real estate contract. So when we go back thousands of years ago, uh, even before what were called the Arabs and Muslims, but today's Arabs and Muslims are convinced that God has given the land of Israel to them, the Muslims through the Abrahamic Covenant. And this they would explain why. By the way, I'm reading from my book, Are You Ready? by Paul McGuire, which, which is a great book in terms of Israel and Bible prophecy and stuff like that. Are You Ready? by Paul McGuire. I'm reading from a chapter called A Very Ancient Real Estate Contract. So the, the, the Muslims and the Arabs believe, I'm reading from my book, sorry, I'm, mumbling, but 
doing the best I can. Okay. Since, since Arabs and Muslims are convinced that God has given the land of Israel to the Muslims through the Abrahamic Covenant, this would explain why they militantly believe the Jews have illegally possessed the land. Okay, so you can understand that if a group of people like Hamas and, and, and Syria and Iran or whatever, it's not all that hard to figure out that if they militantly believe, as I write in my book, Are You Ready? If they militantly believe um, that the Jews have illegally possessed the land, in attempting to broker any peace settlement, it is crucial to completely understand the historical background of the conflict. So, so it also explains, and this is not meant as a justification, but this also explains why a group like Hamas could, could carry out such a, a, a Holocaust-like activity against the nation of Israel. When you look into their minds, you see what, what, why they justify that behavior. Uh, clearly, the Arabs believe that they have been given the entire land of Israel by God, that they will never be satisfied with simply a Palestinian state, and portions of the land, if they believe it is their divine right to possess all of Israel, which they do, then obviously giving them a Palestinian state will never completely satisfy them, and more terrorism and war is inevitable. So I'll continue reading. Uh, from Are You Ready? I have lots of stuff of, about the U.S. State Department, uh, the Koran, the Old Testament, uh, uh, the writing and the prophecies of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, who came 600 years after Christ, and that the Old Testament significantly predates the Koran, the Book of Genesis was written by Moses in approximately, in approximately 1440 B.C. God clearly gives the land of Israel to the Jews who are descendants of Isaac. Okay, so, so it's in the contract. Now, obviously, I'm reading you the Bible uh, and just quoting it from my book, Are You Ready? So let's, let's read this passage from the Bible. Then God said, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall name his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him, and make him exceedingly fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and, will, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant—okay, I just want to say one thing here. When, when God prophesies regarding Ishmael, okay, uh, who, Ishmael, who was uh, the, the son that, that Abraham uh, conceived with his Muslim uh, wife, or whatever you want to call her, and this is what he says of the descendants of Ishmael. Now, the, descendant, the, the descendants of Ishmael are Muslims. And so when we read the scripture carefully, we see that God not only supernaturally gives the Jews blessings, but God supernaturally gives the Muslims and the descendants of Ishmael a supernatural blessing through their own supernatural covenant. Um, and as for Ishmael, 
I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him and make him exceedingly fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Okay, so you just take a look at the Middle East and all those Arab nations and the 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 numerous Arab Islamic billionaires, trillionaires, the wealth coming from oil money and the Middle East is, is astronomical. So we see that God kept his word to the descendants of Ishmael. He kept his word to them because he made them exceedingly fruitful. He blessed them supernaturally. They are one of the wealthiest group of families in the entire world is located among the Arab princes and the Arab kings. I have a story I, I want to remember to tell you at some point. When I visited, with just like two people with me, I visited one of the prince, one of the main, the main princes of Saudi Arabia and the main king of Saudi Arabia. I visited their mansion, which is the size of a hotel. Uh, that was securely hidden deep up in the uh, uh, Hollywood Hills, and and that 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 was a trip. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Uh, okay, uh, behold, I will bless him and make him exceedingly fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, but I will make him a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this same time next year. The covenant. God was talking about was the Abrahamic covenant. God promises the land to Israel. The divine title deed to the land belongs to the Jews. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. We need to remember, whether you like it or not, is irrelevant. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant, but God promises a massive supernatural blessing that will be released on any person or any people who go out of their way to bless the nation of Israel. But if you curse the nation of Israel, God will pour out a supernatural curse upon anybody who curses Israel or any nation that curses Israel. So in terms of the threat of World War III and all the rest of that stuff, America, as well as individuals, it doesn't mean you're, you're, you're not going to prosecute the law. You will prosecute the law, but you will not uh, strategize to curse the nation of Israel. You, you won't do it. Okay, now, uh, we got to understand that the current, again, I'm reading from Are You Ready? In understanding the current conflict in the Middle East, it is important to understand the various national and ethnic perceptions about who actually owns the land according to the oldest recorded accounts in the Bible and the Quran, According to the biblical account, God gave Israel the land to possess forever. Quote, Then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land which I gave to your fathers forever and ever. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. Genesis fifteen eighteen. This promise of the land to Israel by God is repeated throughout the Old Testament in numerous passages. The international community is pressuring Israel to give up his land, this land for peace. It is important to understand that the land that they are requiring Israel to give up is the exact same land that God in the Old Testament specifically gave them to inherit it forever. 
and and we're going to dig into this more. Okay, bottom line, we must understand as biblical Christians that our salvation is based entirely by grace, unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. In a similar pattern, the Abrahamic covenant made by God to the physical descendants of Abraham promises the physical descendants of Abraham to be able to inherit, to be able to possess as an everlasting covenant the entire land of Israel and the entire city of Jerusalem. It is given to them by the supernatural covenant of God, not based on their performance. And we have to really understand that because we want to be on the right side. If you're on the wrong side of this battle, you're going to find yourself fighting against the biblical God in the archetypical battle of Armageddon where God versus the Antichrist and the forces of Satan are engaged in that epic last day's battle. Okay, I need you to stand with me and communicating the truth. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And remember, those that bless Israel, I will bless, says the Lord. And those that curse Israel, I will curse, says the Lord. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.